Well, now, Seton, ever since you brought up the intro thing, now I'm like, do I even know what an intro is? I don't have... I mean, this is episode... Maybe we're closing in on a hundred. I've done a hundred of these motherfuckers, and I'm like, I don't need. Like, is it an intro, or do I just say word soup? Uh, I, I mean, I only you, only me know the answer to that question. Hi, <laughs> right, welcome to the Kingdom Thirst Podcast. My name is Alex Kelly with the Molly Dylan. It's the episode. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was definitely. I'm good at yeah. Hey, you know what? Here's my intro. Here's my intro. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? Oh, oh, crispy. (laughs) Crispy. That's my intro. I got some, I got some Mundu spark. Uh It's, it's Dew, trademark, with a blast of raspberry lemonade flavor with other natural flavors. Um, and it tastes fucking terrible. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't sound great. <laughs> it tastes like zebra gum. Oh, man. And let me tell you, that's good in a gum for the gum that lasts like two seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you it's don't not want so good in, in a 20-ounce beverage. Yeah, no, yeah. No. Yeah, I, I hear But you, I will man. say it's, it's better than the Mountain Dew that, so I don't buy these. I have terrible friends, um, and <laughs> they think it's funny to give me bad Mountain Dew flavors, and um, so they, for my birthday, also got me a, a spicy Mountain Dew. And I hear what you're wondering. Is that, like, cinnamon? Cinnamon Dew? Um, no, it's not cinnamon Dew. I did not it is... go jump out directly to cinnamon at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, in... here's what it is, Amalia. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it's just capsaicin Dew. It's just got a, it's due with a capsaicin finish. And what's most galling about it is A, it's not a fucking beverage because you can't drink that and be refreshed. It just kind of hurts. It's just a chemical reaction in your mouth and nose and tonsils. But it also, unfortunately, tastes like weakened milk toast Hawaiian punch. It's awful. What? Um, so, yeah. Anyway, I also have that in my fridge, and I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do that with that. That does not... That does not... Gives it instant heartburn. That's a just like really weird experience. Yeah, no, it's a bad mouth feel, yeah. certainly. <laughs> Makes you sneeze. Ugh. Okay, well... You tell them avoiding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> On this episode of Kingdom of Thirst... It's an Amalia Dillon takeover. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. It's an Amalia Dillon Because Dillon I can't takeover. be trusted to talk about myself. And and I am here to repay Abigail because today is the Fragile Beings episode. Oh, dun, dun, dun. oh Jesus. Jesus yeah. Christ. I... Ugh. I, I, so I had no idea what the fuck I was going to do for, for this episode. I didn't know if I like wanted to do a, a episode on this. Cause I did an audio essay for concerts glory mm-hmm. when I was starting the serialization of that and, you know, was launching a Patreon, but I didn't know what to do for this one. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. 
it's got like three novellas in it. Like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. And then you were like, hey, do you want me to interview you for it? And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> well, it's yes. only fair since Abigail has been more than generous to the rest of us authors who she features on her sh- on this podcast that that it was time it was time for one of us to come back and <laughs> and do her the same service oh, right yeah yeah so the problem is i don't know how to i don't know how to take it when people give me compliments and things i'm bad <laughs> at that i'm notoriously fucking terrible <laughs> at it it's okay so this is gonna okay be, it's all right. gonna be we're gonna talk uh, about for me well i mean i i have some questions okay i would love to hear your questions like first first i want you to tell us a little bit more about fragile beings just generally for the people who are just joining us the casual listeners who just this one episode caught their eye yeah okay so technically this is the first release in the New Protectorate series. This is um, a collection of three novellas in that are called the New Protectorate Stories, and each one was published as a serial, a mini serial, on my Patreon. Um, and they run from six to ten-ish chapters, more or less, um, if we're including the epilogues. Absolutely. Um, and um, they are paranormal, uh, near future. They are full of fun fun tropes like faded mates Mm -hmm. and uh only one bed Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and snowed in Mm -hmm. uh and uh all the feral man has to be domesticated nothing but the best (laughs) nothing but the best best um and i they are they all sort of together act as a prequel to consort's glory which comes out august 6th so fragile beings is already out now that you're listening to this um in our time, it's like four or five weeks out mm-hmm, still, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, you know, to them, go get it. It's out now. <laughs> um, but each one altogether acts as a sort of prequel. Um, the events of the world kind of intertwine loosely with the events of Consort's Glory, some of them more directly than others. Um, and and they kind of are a good intro, I think, into um, the world of the New Protectorate, which is a very complicated, very crowded place full of a lot of different people um with a lot of different cool abilities yeah and stuff. yeah so um, so so you've talked a lot about the evolution of consort's glory um yeah. and its iterations on the way to becoming this epic romance that it ended up being um mm-hmm. but like as you said these novellas give us a taste of the larger world outside of Margot and teddy's story which is excellent mm-hmm. by the way Ex- it's an excellent read <clears throat> so what i am really curious about is what was like this process for you of stepping outside of the elvish protectorate and and mapping out the rest of the world like did you already know these places really well or was writing the novellas a way that you were like discovering them and digging um, deeper for yourself. Yeah. So, you know, what's funny is I, yes and no. Like I have, I I don't really think of myself as a pantser, mm-hmm. right? And if you don't know what a pantser is, that's somebody who doesn't plot things ahead of time. They just go. They just sit down and write and whatever comes out, comes out. And that's how yes. novels are it made. It um, you, you are You are I a am a pantser. Um, and I love that about you. You're a little <laughs> weirdo. Um, 
but I am I'm I'm a person who usually I like a roadmap. I like knowing where I'm going. I don't I struggle with full on outlining. I can't do that. Like right. I feel like I, that ends up putting a block yeah. in front of me. It's like, hard. Yeah. If it's I I just can't do that. However, I do need to have a sort of like okay, I know that by the end of the book we need to be here. And these are the big events that I want us to stop by. On this road trip, I want to make these stops. Um, and anywhere else, any cool pit stops we make in between, any other, like, you know, uh, shortcuts and stuff we take or whatever, that's fine. But I need to know what's going on. And that that I've realized also kind of applies to the wider thought process surrounding the entire series. Mm-hmm. So I knew what the different territories were. So there are um, six, I think, <laughs> territories um, that that make up the continental United States, mm-hmm. um, which are the, uh, the Elvish Protectorate, where Consort's Glory takes place. We have the Coven Collective. We have uh, the Dracon Reek. We have the Orkland. We have the Shifter Alliance. And we have um, the Neutral Zone, otherwise known as the New Zone. Um, and that's Mostly just the Rust Belt and DC. Um, and, and she uh, has a map I, of this. Yeah. Like, yeah. so if you, if you're like, man, what are these different territories? Like, Abigail has you covered. Go check her, like, Instagram so, or, like. Speaking of, I recently updated my website. So yes. I now have, uh, I have the map on there. Yes. I also have a character directory. I have um, a, and a timeline that breaks down all of the universe stuff. I will add to it, of course, as each book is released. Um, oh, be aware, there might be some spoilers in there. But, like, eh, they all end up falling in love in the end. So there you go. Um but uh, yeah, so in terms of like how the novellas kind of came to be as this development of like, did I know exactly like how this, how these people are going to fit in there? I'm going to be honest with you, going into writing like 376, which is the first novella yeah. in the in Fragile Beings, yeah. I didn't even know what demons were going to be. Yeah. Um, I, this is, like, love, I didn't this is know. what I love. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I sat down to write it and I had had a little, I'd had like three pages of it done for a long time, like well before I even had the whole idea of, of the new protectorate world. Um, I had this idea of like this fey woman trapped in a jar. She was raised by uh, human parents and she was uh, trapped in a jar in this on the shelf of this terrible, terrible, like new age, like shitty, wicked store. We all know. Um, we all know what yeah. that looks like. Yeah. Exactly. That sells like stuff that's like bad for the environment yeah, 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 and yeah. like run by someone it's who's like just basically a piece of the shit, you antithesis know? of all things that New Age <laughs> exactly. should be. Yeah. Yeah. And people, you know, tourists come in and they buy a bunch of like crystal balls yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it, it turns they buy like the, the crystal um decantors. Right. The, the like, stuff the, the, that's like, actually radioactive and they don't Yeah, or like has talc in <laughs> it and that will give you like cancer. Yeah, it's great. Um but my water is so cleansed now <laughs> yeah. that it has quartz yeah. at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I so I had that, and then I had literally. I think I stopped right at the point where Dom enters the store, and that was it. And then it was sitting on my laptop forever. And then I decided that I was going to integrate that into the new protector Naturally. because I I was like, a why not, and b. <laughs> I didn't have anything going on the on the Patreon yet. Fuck! I, like, I got people signing up for the Patreon, and I need to like yeah, well, have something because we made you launch it early. Yeah, like, because like we were like, early. Abigail, what are you doing? Uh, just launch the Patreon so people can 
so people can sign up instead yeah. of like just advertising for a thing that's not ready yet. Like, yeah, just... I got I got freaking I I panicked. I was like, I need to have something. So I was like, I'll start the novellas. Um and and so I didn't really know what I was doing, but I knew there were demons. I knew that there were Fae. Fae are mentioned in Consort's Glory, which had already at this point been written and was like ready to go for the most part. So I what happens is in the in the same the idea of like the roadmap, um I knew that there were demons. I knew that there were Fae. I know that there are dragons. I know that the Dracon Reek is built around dragons, for instance. Right? It's a whole territory that is uh, most of the East Coast and a little bit. And uh, they, the dragons control the entirety of the Great Lakes. Um, and so I, I knew that. I know those things. I know those details. But until I can actually get in there and ex- write a story about people who live there or people who are dragons or who are demons or whatever, I don't really know and then through the 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 actual writing of their story that's when i solidify like okay demons do x right um fey do z right right, right. like um and because I, I i find that if i try and think about it too hard in the beginning it gets in the way i just end up changing yeah. everything anyway yeah. by the time i get there <laughs> so whatever yeah. yeah i understand so, that's it. i get it um mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay well so, like I said, Abigail has a map. Um, this is not the Hunger Games where we're all, like, trying to imagine what the the different territories are. Like, she's got it mapped for you. So, like, she's got your co- she's got you covered on that. Um, I, I'm not... Oh, I want to, as a note there, yes. I do want to make sure I emphasize, while this world is very complicated... Reading these books should never feel like you have to go to school to understand. Oh, yeah, what's going no, on. no, no, no. But it's nice that, like, if you want the resource, it's there, right? Like, it's really nice to be able yeah. to, like, if you're reading the book and, and you're enjoying it, and you're like, "Oh, man, these territories, like, it's so cool." Like, I wonder where what that actually maps to. Like, the 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 resource is there for you to like go and look and like have the visual. And this is something that Abigail does awesomely right like first of all she is phenomenal at like character design in the text right like character design is not a thing that i usually associate with books right like it's not something Mm -hmm. that i usually am like thinking like that the author is doing good character design but abigail is doing great character design like you get a real solid sense of these people and what they look like and who they are. And then, and then not only is she great at the character design in the story, but then if you are on her Patreon or like following her on Instagram or on Twitter or whatever, like then you get her character art and it's like the whole world. Like, it's just, I just, it's so good. It's you if you are looking for like that little extra something to see you through from one thing to the next, Abigail has you covered. So I so I, I yeah, it's funny because I never really thought I'd be able to synthesize those things. Uh-huh. I never I, I always thought that if I wanted to do books, I'd have to give up doing art. It never occurred to me that I would be able to do both. And so it has been a really like wonderful uh like coming home feeling 
to to be able to synthesize those things and have people really really enjoy yeah. it um and not feel like i am giving something up to do one or the other yeah. um because i i for for the longest time right like it was it was either one or the mm-hmm. other like going into art school i couldn't be writing a book at the same time well, yeah. um and if i wanted to write a book i couldn't necessarily like when I was trying to get traditionally published, it was like, well, I'm not going to be able to do my own cover. I'm not going to be, I just needed to divorce myself from the idea that I would have any control artistically right, right, over right, right, what right, my right, stuff right. looked like. Right. Um, Although they probably would have. But now I get your, to do whatever the hell I want. Yeah, like, and they probably would have like put your map in the front and like whatever, if you gave it to them. But like, I think that what you have done is melded the best parts of like, first you deliver an excellent book or an excellent novella and then you deliver like all of this delicious bonus content that everybody would naturally want anyway like all of like the character art and like the little pieces of scenes and like the like even the territory postcard designs that you did right so you can get like a sense Mm -hmm. of this world visually like for me i have a terrible time visualizing things right so Mm -hmm. having that extra like art gives me like a little bit of an like it just it's a full immersion right that i don't always get from other books and stories and i and that like i feel like that's like a really you are like delivering the full experience that most authors only dream of being able to deliver yeah, I mean, honestly, the I I don't have any regrets going to art school as as difficult as it was because I have the ability to do the things that most authors would have to pay somebody else right. for. Um at a and deliver them at a speed that Right. You can't get right. from having somebody right. else do things for you. I can sit down at my computer every night after I get home from working at the bookshop and whip out some character art right. and post it, you know, right. um, and not have to pay a dime for right. it. Um, it's only the only limit is my time right. and your wrists. Um, and that has its <laughs> that, that has its own cost for sure. But I mean, the I can actually I have the resources to fill out my world in any right. way I choose. And um, you and it's and because I'm a mad directly one. from your head, right? Like so, it's not yeah. Yeah. another artist's interpretation of what you described. It's like this is what you yeah. described and how you imagine it. So we're getting a little bit of a a closer understanding of what you, the author, are thinking. And I really like I just think it's yeah. so awesome. And the Patreon and following Abigail on the on social media is like a thousand percent worth it. Like just for that just for that alone, I feel like it's like yeah. get in there. <clears throat> so I mean I Yeah. Yeah. You you know what you're doing. I just I <laughs> want to build a world that is full of color. And that is full of interesting people who can have any sort of relationship and who are trying to change their world in little pieces and little steps at a time. Um, And all of those things add up to something big and beautiful. That is the ethos of the entire series. That is the ethos of my Patreon. That is the ethos of even this podcast, right? Right. Um, And and it brings me a lot of joy to know that 
people get that people pick up on that um so it's 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 really good okay so we're gonna talk about the individual novellas a little bit in fragile beings i had the great good fortune of being one of the earliest readers of each of these novellas (laughs) oh you poor soul the typos you know and like i loved it um and like every single time she delivered me one of these novellas i like stopped basically everything and just like read the Mm -hmm. whole thing in like 24 to 48 hours and like just that was my life it was my life it's so like i am so bad at this like delayed gratification thing where people were like same the whole idea that i gotta like hold stuff out on like my patrons and stuff like that that i gotta do things in bits or as surprises listen y'all if i if if it if i didn't have to do it this way i would personally email all of you the moment i I know listen (laughs) and this is something abigail and i have in common because i am exactly the same it kills me god it's awful sitting on things is the worst i just want to share it with the whole world so i'm really pleased that abigail chose to at least share this stuff with me because (laughs) i am not you get you get friend bennies (laughs) i I don't have the patience to read things as a serial. Like, I'm sorry. I just. I'm going to be real, real with you. Real, real. Neither do yeah. I. Like, I, want I know that that's egregious thing. considering I put them yeah. out, but I personally cannot fucking read serials. It's just too torturous. So, <clears throat> on that note, let's yeah. talk about Dom. Okay. Number 376. <sighs> okay. So. We meet the Abigail already talked about 376 and how like we meet um um what is her name? I wrote it down. (laughs) Okay, we meet Charlotte when she's on the shelf inside of this terrarium where she's like been like miniaturized Mm -hmm. and she's trapped. It's like the Mm -hmm. bottle city of Candor, but like I don't know if you guys know anything about Superman. I'm sorry. Your nerd flag is waving high and beautiful. She's like trapped in this terrarium on this shelf in this store, and like just like bam, like even just that is like such a punch because it's like this is like what the fuck is going on? What is like how did this happen? Mm-hmm. And she's basically being held there mm-hmm. as like a battery. Like they're gonna like someone mm-hmm. is going to buy her and use her in this little terrarium as a battery to power their own like yeah. creepy magic. So, okay. That's like, if that doesn't get you to want to buy this and read this, I don't know what will, but then we have Dom, the hero, right? And he mm-hmm. is, as we talked about, he's a demon. He's a shadow demon, right? Shadow demon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I want to know, because we were talking about character design earlier, what inspired mm-hmm. your take on my personal favorite antlered shadow demon dude? How, like, how did that yeah. come into what, what? Okay, this is what I really have to ask before you tell me about your. Okay. Did you ever read? Did you ever see the Tumblr meme with the like giant? It was like this giant like metal sculpture of like this like hellish creature that's like in a yard somewhere like 
and like that's a, like it's a it's like a found object trash sculpture and he's like this ginormous antlered monster and then someone wrote like a whole fanfic thing about like how he's just like the neighbor of these super normal humans and their sons are best friends and, <laughs> and like God. he's got like the hell wife and the hell spawn and the hell hound <laughs> and he always speaks in all caps all the time oh okay God, i can man. tell by abigail's face that she has never heard of this in her entire life life so it clearly did not influence her character design for dom but i want you to know that it's out there and i was thinking about it It (laughs) i mean well so honestly my my i think my main influence came from like eastern european uh like folklore Mm -hmm. of of you know um you know those like it's the solstice today mm-hmm. as we're recording. It's the solstice. So it's, it's, uh, it, it feels, it feels it's very, very appropriate fitting, actually yes. that we're talking about it because you, I'm, I'm blanking on on what it's called, but you know the like the the like the like pagan costumes, yeah, where they um they like put the antlers on yeah. and they're wearing like the big shaggy yeah, yeah, like, yeah. costumes yeah. and stuff. There's a lot of Isn't stuff that, in like, like in, um, Scandinavia. Yeah, yeah, there's a like it's spread all around. Any anywhere there's cold and like elk, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they yeah. do this Naturally, pretty much. Yeah. Any anywhere where there's uh, animals that have horns, yeah, yeah, humans will yeah. try and put those horns on their heads uh, for some sort of religious purpose. Yeah. Um, and so I I always loved the look, and I loved this idea of celebrating decay and celebrating the darkest. Um, like corners of the forest mm-hmm. of like what's there mm-hmm. you know what is the purpose of it does is the darkness looking back at you right and so i dom kind of came from or so his his clan mm-hmm. originally comes from siberia um and uh you wouldn't freaking know it from his first name because his first name is in fact actually irish but um <laughs> don't worry about it um it's a uh, it's a global he a, he a, society now like come on they live in the continental like yeah, united like, states they're now. already like, it. Like, they can do whatever they want. it's fine um but he so i i had this idea of him like demons come in many forms but his particular clan has antlers um because they are like they are forest beings so originally they were technically forest demons but i realized that that might not necessarily make sense to anyone else because they're not in my brain um but they are all demons are creatures of the forest and the god of forested places in this universe also happens to be the god of uh disease Mm -hmm. and shadowed places right um and his name is blight and uh blight in tandem with his daughter grim who's the goddess of death created at least in the mythos demons out of the shadows Mm -hmm. um and the decay and so demons are uh they are they have dual forms they can turn themselves into shadow but even when they are in their human sort of form they are still sort of beastly in some so, way. so are all the demons shadow demons technically okay. yes but all they right. all have different sort of like physical right. manifestations right. of like you know their clan mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. um but all of them have a heart of shadow and when they meet their fated mate that heart of shadow goes to their mate as well um and it's it like a, the the shadows are physical they can move things they can affect things right 
um, which Charlotte finds out very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, so I they honestly the look is based on like European folklore, um, and I so was their like entire race really. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean that makes sense. That makes perfect sense to me. They spooked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be this person, so same question, but dragons. But dragons. (laughs) Okay, so um, I think of of the novellas, I think think Artem's probably going to come out being the favorite for most people. He's he's Uh, a lot, but he's a lot of adorable, too. He's a lot of just, like, the most like golden child like please i just want to love like my okay i I just i'm gonna tell you my favorite artem moment it's not really a spoiler i don't think yeah um like he gets he starts like buying all this like high-end nesting material like yeah right and then like he's like he's like feel how soft it is like oh like (laughs) like trying to like it like show off like how like yeah extremely amazing and cuddly and soft his like nesting materials are Mm -hmm. to paloma like he's like trying to entice her in with like really cozy blankets it's like the it's the best it's the best thing ever he is he is the (laughs) so (laughs) okay so just talking about the roadmap what i knew about dragons going into writing astray which is the second uh novella in in the book um is I knew that they were territorial. Mm-hmm. I knew that they were based on geese. And I knew that they really liked blankets. Oh my god, they're based on geese! Yes. What? I need to know! I don't Okay, so if we're gonna get into some real nerd shit right now... No, this is what okay. this is for. Give me the nerd shit. So I... Have always had a fascination with um, how birds navigate uh, their environment. Oh, okay. 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 This idea, I think, as a kid, I learned right. that they use like magnets or some yeah. shit in their brain yeah. to like figure out where to go. What the hell is yeah, that yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I've always had that in my mind, and when I'm trying to figure out how each race kind of, if they have a faded mate, like how the hell does that yeah. work? Like, what's their whole deal? Yeah. My thought is always to start from a place in the natural world world or some sort of scientific basis just so i have something to ground myself with um so uh for for elves you know it's based on pheromones and how their hormones then react to those pheromones elves themselves are based on horseshoe crabs don't worry about it um yeah We'll come back to that in a future episode i'm making a note so (laughs) dragons are based on geese because i had this idea that the reason dragons are so territorial is because they are their brains are designed to function in such a way that they are perfect navigators they can literally see the different like magnetic waves that surround the world okay well, how does that work? Well, it turns out birds have something called the cry five gene, which affects a region of their brain, which can literally make them see the magnetic field. Um, and I was like, fuck, that's that cool is really hell. wild. Cry five yeah. gene? 
Yeah. So humans, we have learned through trial and error in labs that we can turn on and turn off the Cry5 gene. No. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Amazing, right? But what happens if you are a SUV-sized dragon? Yeah. um, And you have that gene. And like anything else in biology, something goes wrong. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. (laughs) You get lost. Yeah. You get really, really lost. And if it's literally something in your brain, it can have a cascade effect to all of your behavior. So if you get lost and you're having this misfire, that can turn into a actual compulsion that suddenly, all of a sudden, you have a disorder. You cannot land. You cannot. You don't know where you're going. Right. But instinct tells you that if you just keep flying, eventually you'll figure it right. out. Right. But it never happens. Your brain never snaps out of that feedback loop of going in the wrong direction. And it builds on itself and it builds on itself and it builds on itself. And the next thing you know, you've been flying for weeks because dragons can do that. You're getting tired. You are hungry. You haven't slept. You're out of your mind with exhaustion and terror. You can't ask for help. Um, And either you fixate on a roost, a place where your brain can basically reset itself now that it has a starting point again, mm. or you fall to your death and die. Um, and that's bad any day. Right. But if you're living in this this world where everything is so contentious, you're crossing territories. Right. As a dragon, you can fly wherever you want. Problem is landing. Even if you manage to land in a place that is safe and you can you can uh, reset your brain and fix that cry 5G, right? Um well, whoopsie, you've landed in a territory that is hostile and they don't want a dragon there. Right. So, whoopsie doopsie, you're going to end up with a bolt in your brain. Um, so yeah. that is kind of, the, and then from there, from this, from that nugget of like, okay, that's what can go wrong. That's something that can happen to dragons. What happens to a dragon who gets lost and then lands in a place that's hostile? Right. Um, and so- once I got there, first of all, I didn't know what dragons looked like. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know whether they had wings when they were in their bipedal mm-hmm. forms. I didn't know like what color they were. I didn't know what their personalities were really. All I knew was that. Right. And so <laughs> when um when Artem when Artem lands, I and so Paloma, the the whole concept is that Paloma realizes what's going on. She reports a sighting of a rogue dragon. Right. She thinks that that will get somebody to help the dragon. Right. What it actually gets is they're going to call her. Her town decides that they're going to call uh, soldiers in to just take out the dragon because they're like, we don't want to fuck around with the dragon. Right. Like some random dragon. Yeah, a rogue dragon is a threat because, as you said, yeah. angry, frustrated, mm-hmm. hungry, exhausted. Out of their mind. Looking, like, like, you don't know what needing do. a territory to reset in. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's all bad news. Bad news bears. Bad news. Yeah. And they got they got kids and stuff to look out for. Like, they're, I, I don't hate the people of her town for their decision. I right. don't think it was the moral decision, but I understand. Right. Like, it, it does um, seem a little naive of Paloma, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, Paul was a wild woman, but she she decides she's going to lure this dragon to her research station, mm-hmm. which is very isolated, um, and she hopes that she can save the dragon's life because she feels like she has doomed this dragon to death. Right, um, and so she does that, and Artem is drawn to her home, and he lands, and he's in his dragon form, and we don't meet 
Artem the man until the next day. Um, And it was in that chapter that I had to make a series of decisions on what (laughs) Artem would look like and who he would be. And I was like, fuck me. So I had to look up. So dragons, I was like, okay, I want them to be kind of like stealth fighters. Um, As an aside there. There's an on-running joke, and I don't know if anybody else has picked it up yet, but there's an on-running joke (laughs) in every single novel and novella, Uh and that is that every supernatural creature in this series thinks that they are the baddest cat. Yeah, well, that is so (laughs) definitely evident to me. Yeah, like Dom is like no one loves or protects more fiercely than a demon. Um, Artem's like no, I'm a dragon. Like nothing can take me yeah. out. Don't worry yeah. about it. Um, and then uh, Cal is like a, of like literal force of yeah. nature. Yeah. Like, um, and yeah. then in Concert's Glory, like elves are yeah. the apex yeah. predators. Like everyone Teddy thinks that they are the top of the food chain. Always like there is no one more deadly than me. I am the yeah. deadliest thing. It is honestly, it makes me laugh every time I write it. Um, So, so I had to like, I had to think of like cool shit that each, you know, each one of them would have. So I wanted, I wanted the dragons to be a long distance flyers, Mm -hmm. but also I wanted them to be stealth flyers. Right. So they're actually based on real technology uh, for like fighter jets. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they are actually, um, I think I'd call them like, Dichroma or something. I forget what yeah. I call it. There's I couldn't find the actual term for it. I don't even know that it exists. But they change color with the time of right. day. Um and so at night he's a very, very dark blue and you know, almost black. And then during the day he's a very beautiful, brilliant ruby uh-huh. red. And that's meant to attract the right, eye because course. dragons are extremely yes. vain. Um but he's also somewhat reflective. So when, he, when he's flying, his belly reflects the ground right. below. Um, and uh, so, but I was like, okay, but as a man, does he still have that? And the answer is yes. He is red and blue and he has wings and he has tail and he's got horns and, we and love he's got it. claws. And we love yes. it. And he's sexy as hell and he knows it. He looks like he belongs in a dragon boy band. He really, he, that is... So true. That's so, so true. That, that's how Artem yeah. came to be. It's a very long explanation to say that Artem was a whole thing. Wow. Okay. Like, I am really, I I love, this is, like, the idea that these dragons were based on geese is, like, the best thing that has ever happened to me. But it does, yeah. like, call into question your decision, unilateral decision, that your dragons do not lay eggs. I just, I, it's not even that, this idea of that I would have to have the real conversation with myself of, okay, but who has the cloaca? (laughs) And I didn't want to have that decision. I didn't want to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. I didn't want any of that. So they are mammals. um, And this is just the way we're going to have to. That's just how it is. I just couldn't. just how it is. I just couldn't. We're not going John Carter of Mars with this. No. No, yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sorry look, I'm I'm okay with it. I just, I I just, it was just something that I hadn't thought it's about, a, it's and a, then all it's of a, a sudden, it's a question you should ask. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I too would ask, but the idea of anytime I encounter that in a romance novel, like alien romance or something, or like, and now you will lay my egg. I'm like, that fucking body is not built for that. Fuck off. I'm not laying your fucking egg. 
know. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Happens actually. I encounter that way more often than I would like. To be honest with you. I totally, I totally believe that. I t- <laughs> And I Having think that we should match. blame Edgar Rice Burroughs. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's yeah. the one. He started it. <laughs> the Martians, for those of you who don't know, so. the Martians in Edgar Rice Burroughs uh, series of novels that starts with John Carter. Uh, no, what is the first? A Princess of Mars. Yeah. It starts with a Princess yeah, of Princess Mars. Yeah, Princess of Mars. Yes, yes. Um, they all lay eggs. Like, they're human. They look human. But they're but they're Martians and and they <sighs> they lay they lay eggs. And like the, the ones that don't look human lay eggs. That makes sense, but the ones that are also human looking also lay eggs. Yeah, I'm not a f I'm not I'm not a fan. I And they're like big eggs too. Like my impression. Yeah, it's not was like that it's, it's any a, better like a large egg, which Yeah, like it has a ba- it has or a like, whole baby. Like the in egg it. itself grows. I don't I don't know. It's weird. There's no like exactly. Yeah. There's no way yeah. that that's true. So, so it has I don't to be a think that Edgar Rice Burroughs really fully thought that through. I don't think he thought. Yeah. I, don't think, I don't think he thought that through. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna just go ahead and guess. Okay. All right. So this brings yeah. us to the hero of novella number three, Weathering, and I know mm. what inspired you to write. <laughs> our hero cal but like i feel like you should tell 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 your listeners about this so here's the deal sometimes your girl commits to a bit a little too hard i mean and did you though so i had i had this idea <laughs> i've been sitting on this idea for a year now mm-hmm. and to make it happen I had to lay a series of clues. Oh, and... okay. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yeah. What you're about to tell me is mm-hmm. that the whole idea of elemental beings as a as a class mm-hmm. of supernatural things uh-huh. yes. is solely, solely uh-huh. le- just uh-huh. so that you could write this novella, Weathering. Yep. Featuring cow. Yep. Uh-huh. That-, <laughs> uh-huh. that is the best thing I have heard all day. Yes. Tell me more. Tell me more. So in in Consort's Glory, in the first chapter, uh-huh. I mention cow. Yeah. I talk about the sentient fog. Yeah. The fa- San Francisco's famous sentient fog. Yeah. Um, and I actually wrote a stray specifically right so to feed us in it would make sense yeah, because paloma when we studies met weather just in case you were wondering paloma studies she weather. studies m weather yeah. specifically spontaneous sapient yeah. events yeah yeah and those are when magic does some weird shit in the atmosphere mm-hmm. weird shit happens mm-hmm. and that can sometimes result in a new sapient being right um usually who takes on the attributes of whatever weather they're born into. Mm-hmm. Um, so. <laughs> so. In weathering, we meet mm-hmm. my dear boy, Cal. Yes. Also known as Calamity. Yes. And he is uh, an elemental who has the, um, 
Atticus, the attribute, he is, he is literally fog. Right. He can turn into fog. He, he doesn't, he isn't all fog, right? Like San Francisco has like natural fog, mm-hmm. but that's kind of his safe space. Yeah. Um, he, he controls it. He, he it lives in him. He has a symbiotic relationship with natural fog, but he can turn himself into fog. Sometimes he has a physical form when he wants to, but most of the time when we meet him, he prefers to be fog. And you know what? Sam, I too wish to be fog. Who would never has to wear pants? Totally incorporeal and just like yeah. hanging out with Misty. no demands. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and he the whole the whole point of this, the entire the the whole seed of this story of this race that exists in this world is based around a joke in San Francisco. Uh-huh. That started with a Twitter account in 2013. Uh-huh. Um, I believe it was 2013, called Carl the Fog. <laughs> and so now we all refer to the fog that San Francisco is famous for as Carl. Mm-hmm. And Carl has moods, and people like to take pictures of Carl. <laughs> Carl has books. Um, and I have always found that so delightfully charming and cheesy. Right. Um, and I thought it would be really, really fun as a like nod to San Francisco uh-huh. to have our own actual sentient fog. And then you Did I bent n- the rules of your entire universe to make it happen. Uh, yeah. This is amazing. This is amazing. Just because it made me laugh. This is amazing. Uh, this is and, what great yeah. art is. This is- <laughs> I think so. And to date, my greatest career accomplishment Carl the Fog liking my tweet yes. talking about the smut I wrote about him. Yes. Um, and that then going into the mayor of San Francisco's social feed. So, you know. Wow. Yeah. Look at you. Look, make, make my that is. I want to become like a San Francisco like cultural icon. I, mean, I want to I be featured in the San Francisco Chronicle. I feel like you're on the way. Like this is definitely, mm. you've made strides in that direction, I think. If I keep writing about San Francisco, eventually they'll have to. Um, we don't have very many. Like we don't have a lot of that. Um, so so okay. So I had this idea, and I I did all this stuff to make it happen. The first chapter of Concert's Glory, we get a mention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wrote the entirety of uh, Astray. Really, all of Paloma's like career right, yeah, is dedicated yeah. to explaining yeah. what the hell yeah. Cal is yeah. essentially at the end of her book we have an example of a spontaneous sapien event um and that i wanted like you can read the novellas in any order but if you read them in that in the order in which they are in fragile being so 376 astray weathering i think they make the yeah that's sense. definitely yeah um um but I, I I really wanted to lay the groundwork right. for this. So you understand that Cal is a being unlike any other in the right. world. Um, he is a man literally made of magic and mist. Um, and he came into the world in a really bad way. Um, because when there is a spontaneous event, there is also an explosion of magic. And... When Cal was born in 1906, which might sound familiar to any of you who know a little bit about San Francisco's mm-hmm, history, mm-hmm. Um, the UTA, the United Territories and Allies, which is the continental U.S. as we know it, was in the middle of a terrible, like, hundred years long war. Um, it was towards, actually, it was in the middle. It was towards the end. Um, but it was bad. And so 
San Francisco is the capital city of the EVP, the Elvish Protectorate, and they're at war. And all of a sudden, this terrible natural disaster happens. So things were already bad. Things got much, much worse. Mm-hmm. Cal's birth wipes out like a quarter of San Francisco. Right. Kills over 3,000 people. Right. Um, bad way to start. Yeah. Yeah. And he is taken in. Um, he kind of wanders onto Alcatraz Island, <laughs> which in in this world is a um, religious center for the worship of the god Loft, um, who's the god of the sky. Mm-hmm. And he's taken in by acolytes of Loft, and they are not, shall we say, the warmest and fuzziest group of people. No, no. No. And he is with them for a year. Um, and he is, uh, they take care of him, but they make sure he knows that he killed a lot of people right. and that he should feel bad about it. Right. <laughs> um, and then he's taken into Elvish custody for a year because um, it's a really, really, really uh, tantalizing thing to have somebody in your territory who can j- just turn into fog and be anywhere and hear anything well, and see I anything. mean, the elves... When you read Consort's Glory mm-hmm. and you meet the elves, it makes absolute perfect sense why they yeah. would have come for Cal. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Like, of course they did. Mm-hmm. Of course they did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the time we meet him in the beginning of, of uh, Weathering, he's, he's a man who's really been through it and he is known as a like a vigilante he's known as kind of a cryptid no one really no one knows his name people hardly know what he looks like he is known as like somebody who will like save drowning people he puts out fires and stuff but he he won't talk to anybody no one knows anything about him Mm -hmm. so he's become a legend um and elise sassini who is a reporter and a writer uh a, a, a an author she's decided that she wants to satisfy a lifelong obsession with the fog by writing a book about mm-hmm. it um and she goes to do that <laughs> and she shall we say makes contact with the fog yeah. to get his attention yeah yeah and he is like what the f- Fuck so, do you want? So I have so okay. All right. So on yeah. this topic, mm-hmm. I'm Elise is, is a weather witch. Uh, and, yes, she is. And and also Margot is a witch in Consort's Glory. But so it's yes. really nice that we have a witch in this novella collection to like mm-hmm. give us like get us a little used to the idea of what these witches are doing. And she's. She's an average witch too. She's not as like she's not bodaciously right. powerful. She's, she's not without power. Your normal, your normal everyday kinda, witch. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So she's a weather witch who has gone into journalism. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, is this like a normal thing that like somebody who has like a an affinity to a um. Uh, whatever their witchy power is to like go into like a field that's kind of unrelated. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the kind of the same thing as like people who are born really, really like musically talented. Don't all become musicians. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. know, like just because like you're really, really, really good at the piano doesn't mean you then go on to become a pianist. Right. Um, I, uh, Elise in particular was raised by a, a veteran reporter. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the most famous crime reporter in San Francisco. He's right. based on 
a real person. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, who's amazing. Um, okay, all right, and, okay. Uh, and um, you get I, getting every every nod in that you can get for San Francisco. You know, I I love San Francisco. I didn't know that weathering was going to turn into a tour of uh-huh. Abigail's favorite places in San Francisco, uh-huh. but it really uh-huh. did. Um, and and I so I, this idea of like. I didn't think that in a real world populated with so many people who can do so much, Mm -hmm. everyone would be locked into what their special ability is. Right. 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 Like it just didn't make sense because honestly, weather witches are probably pretty common. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, probably pretty common healers, not so much, but there's a very specific reason for that. Um, And then, you know, also, she's she's not super powerful. Like maybe if right. she was a Gloriana, which is right, like the right. highest level you can be, maybe then there would she be would more have pressure. gone into yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. But she's just kind of middle of the road. What's she gonna do? Yeah. Like, you know? Like yeah. I don't know. Water her plants. <laughs> I, you know, I don't right? Like start a lawn service. <laughs> yeah. Like she's 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 she can do some magic. Okay. Just like, okay, you know, okay. some so, people can paint. What this then like what inspired your take on witches on the whole oh. for the series? So that is really an interesting question because that came up recently because the most so the second to last chapter of Concert Glory that came out mm-hmm. as of this week um involved meeting a witch who uh makes a little bit of a uh, she makes a comment to Margot about how witches are how witches are made and how witches should never walk alone mm-hmm. um and that is someone pointed it out was like i love this line and it was so good to see because actually that's <laughs> where this entire universe started mm-hmm. so my whole concept of Margot of the world began with this idea of a family that had escaped witch burnings in like the 1700s and had come and settled in their own territory in the United States. And they um, had a very particular view of the world because of that, because Mm -hmm. of that legacy. They were very, very proud, Mm -hmm. but they were very, very cautious because so many of them had been killed for so long. Right. And I... And Margot was kind of born into that. Like, what happens to a person who's born into that kind of atmosphere? Um, and in Conscious Glory, we find out very quickly what happens. Right, right. Um, but this idea of witches who are, like, they're not, humans themselves aren't very strong compared to a dragon. Right. Compared to an elf. Compared to almost any of right. the other races. Humans are... The the actual, like, mythos of humans is that they're the last race to be created in this great competition between the gods. And they're made from the scaps. Nice. Like, they don't even have magic. Um, and Put us it in is our only place. When the, <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? They're just kind of the mud and the, like, bits that mm-hmm. are left over. Um, and the goddess Glory takes pity on El- these poor, just dirty little heathens um, who are wandering around barefoot in the wilderness. And she says, okay, you are going to fucking die if if I don't do something here. So I'm going to give you magic. Um, so that is how witches are made. Mm-hmm. Not every human is born with the capacity to do magic. Not every you know race is, actually. Right. But they have other advantages, so right. they're fine. Um, humans 
don't. Um, so it, humans are already weak. Witches are half a step above that, but there's not as many of them, too. Like, there's not every human is born with magic, right? But so the, they are less than the total humans. Right. Um, and so they would have their own thing. They would have their own culture. The people who are born into families that consistently bear more witches, right, right. would have their own culture. While there's also witches who are spontaneously born to parents who don't have any magic. Right. They wouldn't have the same culture. So I had to, like, navigate this whole thing. Like, uh, how would covens work? How would witches who aren't born into a coven work? Um, culturally, how would things be different? Margot is born into a coven. Right. She takes magic very, very seriously. She takes her legacy extremely seriously. It's all she right, has right, is right. this legacy for good and for ill. Um Elise doesn't take magic seriously at all. She doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Uh, her mom is a weather witch. Her she has a legacy of that, but she wasn't born in a coven. She was a city girl. Her dad's a reporter. Right. She just chills. Um, and I so this idea of like how witches would adapt to their sort of circumstances. I, I wanted humans to always be the most adaptable species, but I wanted witches to be super adaptable. Um, I wanted their survival to be like the most important thing. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I really love witches. I, it's, it's such a fundamental um, part of the universe yeah. that I can't divorce. The witches need to survive from everything else. Yeah. Well, so. no, but this, this, this is really this answers an, another question that I had, which was, mm -hmm. I mean, we have like Paloma, who is she is an errant, errant, errant. I say errant. she is an errant, um, which means that she doesn't have any magic. She's just a regular, no. regular Joe, no. normal. She's a normie, right? Yeah. So, um, and and we see like her behavior. Con like contrasts against Elise's where Elise she 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 recognizes the risks she's taking in mm -hmm. any given moment right yes and and like coming from a culture a world that you've built where witches are like basically like survival is like the number one yeah mood right like that yeah. That makes sense that she's aware, like she's hyper aware of the risks that she's taking, but then she still takes the risk anyway, mm -hmm. right? Whereas Paloma yeah. feels like she's all impulse, right? Like yeah. she doesn't, she's never thinking it through. She's just like, I'm going to act first and then worry about whatever later. <laughs> Paloma to me was very much big brain energy mm -hmm. like she she is skipping ahead of the processes like she has an idea and she realizes it's a good idea and so she doesn't think about the consequences right, right. Of that. she just she does just the thing right like I mean like here's here's what I like she's obviously she's obviously deeply compassionate right like she has no yeah. bonus powers outside of her excellence as a scientist mm-hmm but, like, she does not even hesitate 
to put a shifter in his place, to summon yeah. a dragon down. And, like, I feel like we should all be a little worried about her. Like, <laughs> there's a, it's a good thing she has yeah, Artem she, to, like, be her protector. Artem. Like, there is no one else who needs no. a dragon mate more. Honestly, the dragons fucking love her. Like that's that's what they they're like. You are the wildest little creature. You're basically made of tissue paper and blood. And you're just so um, fearless. Like just you're so great. You just I love go you. for it. Just go for um, it. I yeah. I I thought that you know in a world where everything is bigger and badder than you, either you act or you die. Right, you shrivel up and you just make nothing yeah. of yourself. I think that there is a certain level of Paloma is very much aware that she is basically nothing right. compared right. to right. even a witch. Right, she has no ability. She has no claws. Like I said, tissue paper and blood. She's right. just kind of, you know, she's super vulnerable. Either you can let that state, you can let that weakness rule your entire life, and make or you can yeah. just say, well. I'll be weak anyway. Might as well take the yeah, risk. Like Paloma um, definitely is is not ruled by fear. Mm-mm. She's lonely as yeah. hell, and she's got anxiety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also know that, like, as someone with anxiety <laughs> and as somebody who knows a lot of people with anxiety, we make a lot of really important yeah. decisions because if we overthink it, we'll never <laughs> right, do it. Right. It's easier to just make the decision and do the thing than to agonize yeah. over making the decision. Leading Absolutely. up to that, that's, doing the thing, because then you're going to talk yourself out of it. That's her in a yeah. nutshell, and and she realizes kind of afterwards, and she's like, "What the fuck did yeah. I do?" Because it's worth noting that Paloma, although very very smart, doesn't really know anything about dragons. Yeah. She's never met them no. before. She's never met a dragon, um, and she doesn't realize that dragons can be very, shall we say, decisive. <laughs> Um, and boy howdy is Artem he's always a, he's got a great smile he's easy you know he's good he's a good laugher um, he's very calm and relaxed all the time but he's decisive and he has decided that Paloma and Paloma's house and Paloma's mountain are his um, and he's kind of willing to go on the like charm offensive to make that happen um but he's not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. No, but his story is really... It is a standout. It is a standout novella. Like, all of these novellas are really good, I think. Like, in all of them, for me, I felt one of the strengths was that all of them opened the world up a little wider, right? So, like, each consecutive yes. novella gives us a little bit more um, of the world. Like, we, it, we grow along with these stories. And then yes. leading into Consort's Glory, it's like, I feel like it's going to be such a great experience for readers. So, like, really, really, please, please make sure that you pick up Fragile Beings. Because it's such a good foundation for what you're going into. Like, it's just going to be, it's like little bites of delicious romance. And then, and it's building your appetite for what is to come. Yeah, I I think like I the reason that these are being released so close together. Honestly, I did want to push out mm -hmm. uh fragile mm -hmm. beings because I I wanted not for um like them not being finished reasons. Right. I I realized that I wanted to have them on Patreon for a little bit right, longer. Right. But I wasn't able to do that and I'm not right, mad about right. it. It's fine. It works out either way. 
the reason I didn't originally intend to publish it around this mm-hmm. time was because I wanted people to pick up probably most likely they're going to pick up Concerts Glory first. Because right. um, I, I understand that not everyone, like, is going to pick up, like, a random novella collection from an author that has You all should. All of you. You should. All of you, you should, should because do you're it. listening. Do it. Do it. But if you're just scrolling, yeah. right? If you're just scrolling through yeah, Amazon yeah, yeah, Marketplace yeah, yeah. or whatever, yeah. you're going to be like, "Why? Well, okay, cool cover, but, like, what is going on there? Um, what I wanted was for someone who has just read Concerts Glory who is like, hey, I really like this world. I want to know more about it. We get a very narrow view of the world from Consort's Glory because the book takes place over like five days. And um, it's very intense. It's a very like interpersonal, like loaded situation that's happening there, obviously. Um, But world-wise, although everything in the series hinges on what happens in that book... We actually don't see much of the world. Right. We don't even get that many characters. Right. Um, because Margot and Theodore are so focused on each other. Well, I mean, like, as as all as early they, relationships as... are, yeah. a little self-absorbed. And because there's, shall we say, a couple of ticking clocks yeah, yeah, over yeah. each of their shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a bomb. So yeah, there's yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so... What I wanted was somebody who read that is like, what is going on in this world? I wanted them to immediately be able to go and click on something that would give them a much wider uh, impression of the world and the people who live there. It's not just the super important people. It's not just the people who rule the territories. It's people like Paloma, who's just a scientist on a mountain. Right. Um, and, And it's people like Elise, who's just a reporter, but who is integral to the fabric of the EVP. Um, it's people like Dom, who, you know, is a, he's a forest ranger, essentially, yeah. for the Orkland. Um, and how does he fit in there? What are, what's, what's it like for him? Um, I wanted all of that to kind of begin to fill out the tapestry of the world so that it feels like everyone is important, not just the big dogs, right? right? right. Like, right. I, 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 that's really important to me because me personally, I'm not that important. Right. <laughs> right. Like, you know, I'm never going to marry the president. Right. Like, thank God. None of us are. Um, yeah. We're the majority right? of us in this world are all very, like, small, small actors. But on an individual scale, it's huge to each person. And also, I think in the ripple effect, the entire ethos of the series is that each one of these relationships is crossing another small boundary. Right. Um, and as those boundaries are crossed, the world becomes a little bit less fractured. Right. That is the entire point of the series. The reason it's called the New Protectorate is because by the end of book one... The actual territory, the Elvish Protectorate, has been fundamentally altered by Margot and Theodore getting together. That then sends ripple effects across the entire world in big and small ways. Um, And and so, yeah, I mean, that's like that's it. That's that's I wanted people to be able to get that taste, but then also get it in each novella where they can look at the world through another little pinhole, right? right. And see something right. different. But get a get a real sense that like everyone, every relationship is important. Right. Okay. All right. So lightning round, because mm-hmm. we're we're coming up on closing yeah, in on the we're end. Closing here. in on the end. 
which couple is your personal favorite and why? Short and sweet. Short and sweet. Uh, okay. It's probably going to be... Nah, it's going to be Artem and Paloma. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that because I really identified with Paloma's anxiety. <laughs> I mean, same, same. Okay. All right. <laughs> which couple yeah. was the most fun to write? Oh, that's going to be um, Dom and Charlotte. I can see that. I mean, you did. Yeah. She kicks him in the you, nose the first you time. Did, and also, we did get a little backed into the spanking corner there, which, you know, like. Yeah, we did. We I that. loved it. I loved I loved that you did that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Always. You know, there's also there's also a spank in, uh, in Consort's Glory, so. Was, I'm doomed myself. Okay. Okay. Been too long. Okay. Okay. Two more. Which couple are we most likely to see again in future installments of the series? Ooh, definitely Cal and Elise. Okay. Probably Artem and Paloma. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And finally, mm-hmm. finally, what would be the most chaotic repairing of these six people? Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, that's a, it's good, a good one. one, right? Okay, most chaotic. <laughs> um, probably Cal and Charlotte. Right. Would be super chaotic. Yeah. Um, we didn't really talk about Char- th- Charlotte, but she's awesome. Yeah. Charlotte's yeah. great. Charlotte is a fae changeling who's raised by humans, humans yeah. and she um basically fits in nowhere yeah. and uh has Well, a lot and of that so I feel like she and Cal, her. they would have that little in common. Yeah, yeah, I think but also they're both kind of fair. Yeah. Um so yeah. maybe not the best kind. No. They would make yeah. some some havoc. Um fun, <laughs> but definitely problematic. Um I would say then uh I think least chaotic would be um Dom and Paloma. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because I think like Dom would just like I think they would get along very yeah. well. I think his her like impulsiveness would probably cause him a lot of stress. Right. Um, because for all that Charlotte is in fact feral, she also is very happy to just kind of let him protect her yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the world has been very mean to Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. So she's like fucking good. I'm so happy to have a very scary yes, mate. This is yes. awesome. Um, whereas Paloma, I feel, would be like. Out of my way! I'm going to drive in a blizzard! (laughs) Yeah, like, it wouldn't be great for him. He'd have a lot of gray hair very quickly. I mean, they would both love living out in the middle of nowhere together in their quiet little world, but she'd be constantly doing the most batshit things that would give him heart attacks. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Um, and then I, I, so it's going to be Artem and Elise, which would just be pure fucking chaos because they are both so high energy. Oh my God. Um, and like Artem, like combating with Elise's just like wild woman streak of just insatiable curiosity. Mm -hmm. Like it would be explosions everywhere. Artem Artem would take it very badly. If Elise yes. went out into the fog unprotected and was just like, I'm going to just summon this elemental being who could be nice or terrible. We'll find Hope out. Hope he doesn't get mad at me for knocking on his door, essentially. Artem would not take that sitting down. He would be furious. 
she would also not be someone who would be comfortable like staying in the nest no. all the time. Yeah. Whereas kind of Paloma's chill with that because she's already home. She, <laughs> um, Paloma basically already n- nests. Like, let's yes, be real. Much. Like she is. Her, her lab is like five steps yeah. away from yeah. her, her bed. Yeah. It's fine. Um, whereas Elise is like definitely someone who is constantly walking the city. She's constantly right. out chasing leads yeah. and trying to figure out something new to write yeah. about. And it would be um, really hard to be doing those things with Artem, the the big wing shadow over her shoulder. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hard to get people to talk to you, I think, yeah. when a dragon's yeah. looming yeah. over your yeah. shoulder. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Well, I feel like, I mean, I feel like we've, I feel like that's a really good, introduction to fragile beings and if you were unsure about buying it when you started listening to this episode i hope that we have changed your mind and that you are like one clicking your way into this next read because it's so good yeah i i mean i like all of them i i think they all offer something a little bit different yeah there's Um, definitely something for everyone a little bit of something to identify in with every story yes and each one centers around this idea that like no matter how strong you are no matter how smart you are no matter how magically powerful you are every single person is fragile in their own ways yeah um and that love can do really great things but also love can can really hurt you in some ways yeah. so they explore a lot of different themes um with that and all of them have sexy times um so if that's something you're looking for there's and some it's, there's some funky little sexy it's times good in those sexy ones. times abigail is excellent excellent at writing the oh, sexy I'll times my best. yeah a plus 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 there's a there's an outdoor there's a there's a forest yeah. sexy you, you're gonna you're gonna uh, get it yeah quite something yeah. <laughs> yeah there's tail stuff in there even i really i did it well all um, the way all the way all the ways all of the things um so yeah i mean like i said like you don't necessarily have to read them in order you don't have to read you can read constant glory first you can read i just think you know a good way to do it is read the novellas first yeah. um and then read consort's glory but like you can do whatever the hell you want i'm not here to tell you what i um, personally read consort's glory first and then read the novellas mm-hmm. and i thought that the novellas were they did exactly what abigail was talking about where they gave me more of the world and it was just so delightful to have that expansion and like with each one like the world grow a little bit bigger and i but i can see how they will be a delight to read in front of consort's glory also i think Mm -hmm. no matter which way you choose to go about reading these two volumes you're gonna win it's gonna be a winner Either way, you are going to be introduced to the world. Yeah. You're not going to be missing yeah. anything one yeah. way or the other. So, you know, don't don't stress about it. Like I said, it's not meant to be like going to school. Um, there, I do put, I have now put a glossary in the back at uh, people's request because some of y'all nerds want to know like what things are. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's fair. Uh, and like I said, you know, you can access like the, the maps are in it and you can access the map on, on my website. Um, I also, if you join the the Patreon, I have a discord where I answer questions literally 24 seven. It's true. <laughs> um, so, which is how we learn I'm happy that to. dragons don't lay eggs. Just in case you were yes. curious. Yeah. We've had a lot of very intense discussions. <laughs> uh, and I, I think it's like a game for a lot of my uh, patrons now, too, where they'll like ask me questions. Be like, uh, let's let's see if we can stump Abigail with this one. <laughs> uh, it's a good well, time. Yeah, it's a what? good time. 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I eagerly await the day that they stop me because then I'll know that I've become a normal person who doesn't have endless amounts of ridiculous <laughs> made-up information in her head. Um, yeah, so so that's it, man. You can, you know, you can get the book. A link will be below. It's I think it's a good one. And then in like less than a month, Concert's Glory comes out, Woo! and that's gonna be a hoot and a half. Ah, uh, there's explosions. There's claws. There's smooching. Yeah. There is smooching. There's, there's a remarkable scene, shall we yeah. say, in a in a yeah. <laughs> in a locker room. Yeah, there is. More or less. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. Uh, Listen. Yeah. You want like I can't emphasize enough that you want to read these books. If you like paranormal romance, fantasy romance, if you like yeah. your supernatural, like a little supernatural monster porn action, like come, come to the dark side, get in on this series. You will not regret it. If you like heroes who are like super strong, but like also just absolute yeah. like cinnamon rolls, yeah. but like I cannot... But not boring cinnamon right. rolls. I feel like sometimes I'm kind of fucking boring. Like, they all got a little bit of spice. And Teddy is one of those. He's got a very specific brand, and it's I love my wife. Um, the best wife guy. Yeah. Yeah. Teddy is the ultimate wife guy. I've been saying that for years. He's the ultimate wife guy. He is so excited for monogamy. Um, he has been planning it his whole fucking life. He's ready for it. And Margo's over here like, what the fuck is happening? We love it. We love to see it. We love to see it. Did this? Did the sovereign of the EVP just tell me that he's gonna marry me? Because that's kind of what he kind of sort of just said to me. Lot. It's kind of a lot. I got blown up yesterday. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. Poor Margo. Poor Margo. Okay, but that is okay. another. That's another episode. Yeah. yeah. For now, go smash the button to buy yeah. yourself a copy. Of fragile beings. Yes. Um, and if you're interested in, in if you read it and you like it, all of all of these are released months in advance on my Patreon. Um so I like book two I'm writing right now, it'll be the serialization of book two will start in September. Um that means that book two will probably not release until March to the wider public, but Obviously, my patrons will be reading it way, 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 way before then. Same thing for the novellas. I'm on a brief novella hiatus as I write book two, um, but they'll hopefully start up again in August. Um, so, you know, if you do like it, if you blast through it as several people have, yep, yep. and you're like, I want more, um, that's where to get it. Um, I, I And even during this hiatus, there's some really great stickers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sending people some, stickers as some a thank really you. Some really great stickers so. with your name on them. Yeah. Yes. Also, everyone gets stickers. Even if you don't pay for the novella tiers, um, you get a Patreon welcome pack. So uh, with a glow in the dark galaxy art sticker. It's which so is, nice. Um, it's called the creation because it's uh, uh, my version of the creation. I can't wait to get darkness mine. And light I can't wait to, to get mine. Universe. I'm really excited. Well, you should probably have yours in the next no, day or two. Never underestimate the mail of That's North true. Dakota. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry it's about our... that. Um, uh, Amalia, thank you for doing this. What what are your pluggables? Find me on the internet. (laughs) 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 Mm -hmm. 
uh, and at Amalia TD on Twitter. And I also have my own Patreon where you can read a whole mess of content. There's two whole books up on there serialized. There's yeah. um, mm-hmm. uh, some short stories uh, next month. Oh no, this month, July. There's a, a novella for one of my, for my contemporary romance series. Um, mm-hmm. So come, come join us. And you know what else there is? Yeah. There's some art. Oh yeah. And also July is, is art reveal number two because mm-hmm. Abigail, mm-hmm. Abigail made me some phenomenal character art for my orc, Balthorn. It was my pleasure. Um, and and for my orc saga series, so like definitely you wanna you wanna get in on that. Like it's a really pretty. She did so so good, so good. Very sexy. Yeah. Very cool facial tattoos. So yeah, that's. I feel like that's me. Come come and get that's it. it. All right. Well, um, this has been a whole episode about me. So uh, <laughs> it feels weird doing pluggables at the end, but. Uh, you know where to find me. You can find me at Abigail K. Kelly on Twitter. You can find me at Kingdom Thirst on Instagram. Um, you can email me, kingdomthirst at gmail.com. You can do whatever I said before, patreon.com slash works by Abigail. All links to everything will be below. You can send me real mail if you want. I have a P.O. box. That's cool, too. Um, and that's, uh, you know, buy links are below. You can pre-order Consort's Glory. You can get Fragile Beings today holy smokes i do hope that i have the the uh that they're uh paperback up by now <laughs> that's the plan <laughs> we'll see um and that's that's about it um yes well thank that is you content. for letting me interview you you did the wonderful job. <laughs> and i hope that everybody else enjoyed it also I think so, even though I was awkward and weird because I don't know how to talk about myself and the things that I do. And I could, I'll talk about geese some more. <laughs> when we do the Consort's Glory episode, we'll talk about horseshoe yeah. crabs for a while, look, I'm sure. Yeah, something to look forward to, right? Horseshoe crabs coming oh, up. God. Coming up. Yeah. Coming up hot or not. Because <laughs> they pretty cold, actually. Uh, so. All right. Yay. Yay. Okay. Think about horseshoe crabs. Bye. Bye. Kingdom of Thirst is a member of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find all of our episodes and tons of new podcasts to listen to at frolic.media slash podcasts.